before a world of heroes and villains. One power ruled it all. Black Adam. He's been asleep for 5,000 years. Black Adam. We're here to negotiate your peaceful surrender. I'm not peaceful. Nor do I surrender. These powers are not a gift, but a curse. Born out of rage. You have two choices. You can be the destroyer of this world. Or you can be its savior. Black Adam. Ready PG-13. Only Peters October 21st. Episode 442. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Clean, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. Joker here, the clown prince of crime, and you're listening to my least favorite podcast, Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. And we are here today to talk about the newest entry into the DCEU films, Black Adam. And yes, uh, none of us have talked to each other about the movie, our thoughts about the movie. So all of our reactions are going to be heard here for the first time. And we've got a round table of guests. Going to start it off with Mr. Joe Stark from Starkcast. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. And we've also got Tristan Brown. Welcome, Tristan Brown. Hey, happy to be here as well. And for the first time on a Pop Culture Leftovers episode. I've recorded with this guy many times. I even had him on my Taboo podcast at one time. But for the first time on PCL, Mr. Joe Vitale from the Vintage Geeks podcast. Welcome, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. We got two Joes. We're going to try to keep them straight here. We'll call you Vitale or something, whatever. I mean, we're, we'll figure it out. But, uh, I'm, dude, I'm seriously excited to have you on this one, Joe. But this is a long time overdue. It has been, and you've asked me multiple times, and it's always been something on my end that's been fucked up. <laughs> but uh, and it's always you always try to get me on for DC, and I always appreciate that. So I'm, yeah. I'm really excited to be here to talk about this because I think this movie was announced in like when I was six, 16 years old. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, seriously, the the Rock was cast as Black Adam in 2007, guys. Yeah, yeah. There was times when we wondered if this movie was even really still going to happen. I remember, like, in that middle area. I think, like, the longer they kept putting it off, I think they were just like, where do we fit him in now? Like, you know, like, they're doing Man of Steel, and like, where do we fit in Black Adam? And I, I, 
they finally figured something out. So here we are. We're finally talking about this movie. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Um, let's, we're gonna, hey, we're gonna be jumping straight into spoilers here momentarily. So I'm gonna drop the spoiler warning. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. All right, Black Adam, nearly 5,000 years after he was bestowed with the almighty powers of the Egyptian gods and imprisoned just as quickly, Black Adam is freed from his earthly tomb, ready to unleash his unique form of justice on the modern world. It's a spinoff from uh, Shazam back in 2019, and it is the 11th film in the DC Extended Universe. It serves as the first installment of Phase 1. Uh, Dwayne Johnson called it phase one in a recent tweet. He said, uh, Black Adam will serve as our phase one of storytelling in our DC universe. Exciting times for the brand to build up and build out. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be doing, it sounds like if we were to believe Dwayne the Rock Johnson, this, this is going to be the start of their first phase copying that Marvel model. Uh, it's directed by Haume Colette Sarah and written by Adam Sizdikel. Rory Haynes and Sorab Noshirvani. Uh, the film stars Dwayne Johnson as Black Adam. Uh, we've got uh, Aldous Hodge as Carter Hall Hawkman, the leader of the Justice Society of America. I have been a fan of this guy forever. I remember first seeing him on um, Friday Night Lights as Voodoo, and he didn't get a lot to do there. But man, he's like picked up. It's crazy this Friday Night Lights cast what they've some of them have done since their days on that show. Uh Noah Centineo as Albert Al Rothstein, the Adam Smasher. We've got Sarah Shahi as Adriana. Uh we've got uh Marwin Kanzari as Ishmael Gregor uh slash Sabak. Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone. And um We've got Bodhi Sabangui as Amon, Pierce Brosnan as Kent Nelson, Dr. Fate. Uh, Pierce Brosnan says that Benedict Cumberbatch's Dr. Strange inspired him to play Dr. Fate in Black Adam. He said he is epically brilliant. And uh, Muhammad Amir uh, portrays Karim, Karim, Adriana's brother. I love this actor. He's on the uh, Hulu series Rami and then also in the most recent series on Netflix, Mo, which I absolutely love both of those shows. Um, Black Adam's runtime is 124 minutes and has an estimated budget of $198 million. And I just found out, I think it was yesterday, that the movie, we know it's rated PG-13, but it came close to getting an R rating. This uh, I got an article here from Dark Horizons. Though it's rated PG-13, producer Hiram Garcia pr- uh, confirms to Collider that the sheer amount of slaughter in the narrative had the movie sporting an R rating for much of its production time. Quote, we really wanted to make sure that we honored the character of Black Adam. One of the things he's known for is his aggression and violence. And to do a Black Adam movie that didn't have that just wouldn't have been authentic. So we always went into this knowing that we were going to push it as far as we did. 
Um, producer Bo Flynn adds that it took four rounds with the MPAA to get the movie to a PG-13, which it only received around a month ago. In terms of what had to be edited out, the film reportedly had almost twice as many scenes with Johnson brutally killing an enemy. Quote, we did have to make a lot of edits, actually, but we never compromised. We never had to cut a scene. You can't play it safe and you have to go for it. And I think we have four or five of those. Uh, at one point, we had about 10, and we were able to find some compromise with the MPAA on that. Uh, though the R-rated version won't hit cinemas, could it come to home video? Flynn says, there are going to be some features for when we release on home video and streaming. So we might get the unrated cut once this does drop on VOD. So that'll be interesting. But we are going to rate Black Adam. Let me go ahead and play our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. I want to start with Tristan Brown. Tristan, what did you think about Black Adam? Okay, so... You know, I went into this movie with not the highest of expectations. You know, I was, it's a movie that's been years in the making, as we know. And I saw it and, you know, it's, it's a movie that I would say that I enjoyed, you know, for the most part, like I felt that there was a lot of stuff that I've been meaning to see just from the DC universe that I haven't seen before. Um, certain iterations of characters that I haven't seen before. Um, you know, just this whole concept, The Rock being Black Adam um, on the big screen, which is something that has been talked about for so long, and we didn't think it was actually going to happen. Um, with that being said, I have to say that the just the technical components of this film are not good. It's not a well-made film. I think that the editing is, is pretty bad. I feel that the dialogue is, is just atrocious. It's, it's just some bad lines in this thing. But at the same time, like, it's weird that I somehow, like, still had a decent time with it. It's not like a, a Morbius-level film, but, you know, it's definitely a film, I feel, that that was made by people who have not seen a comic book movie in the last 15 years. Um, it just seems like a film that would have came out, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, possibly, um, with upgraded special effects. Um, but, yeah, overall... You know, I can say that I enjoyed a lot of the action scenes, but I don't know what it was. Maybe it's the the fact that The Rock is just a, a bona fide movie star and he's just serviceable whenever he's on screen. Um, the special effects and, and some of the, the action sequences, you know, was enough to not make me toss this film and, and actually just give it a, a middle of the road taster. All right. So we're going to taste it for Tristan. I'm going to move on to... Uh... Joe Stark. Joe Stark, what'd you think about Black Adam? Hey, yeah, this is, I mean, this movie's just been on my radar for, for so long. And for so much of that, I kept asking myself, what what is it about this Black Adam character that The Rock is so obsessed with? Because, I mean, while while I'm not super familiar with Black Adam, I, I'm, I've read him in enough comics to know that he's not an out-and-out -out hero. And, and it was just always intriguing to me that, that the rock was drawn to, to this character. Um, 
And I mean, just sitting in the in the theater when it was starting, it was, it was kind of surreal. It's like, holy shit, finally get to see Black Adam. And and I knew what the Rotten Tomatoes scores were going in. And it was in I think it was hovering around 53 percent or so when I went in. And so I was like, well, the critics are are definitely divided on this one. And but, you know, nonetheless, let's see how it goes. And and I saw this in a, a Marcus theater in a DLX super screen. So pretty damn close to like IMAX quality with the Dolby Atmos sound and all that and really big screen. And I mean, it, as far as just going into a superhero movie and just seeing just a, a whole lot of just a, a whole lot of wanton death, which is pretty fucking wild to get from the the main character in one of these movies. And so just that aspect of it just immediately blew me away that the the sheer level of, of violence and it just he just just he was a fucking barbarian that could fly and shoot lightning. It was really, really wild. And like he really, really embodied that character. Like I really believed it. Um, what Tristan was saying about some of the dialogue being kind of cringe. I, I totally agree. There's there's some of the lines in this are are kind of like, and, and like I, I love the chemistry that he had with the kid. But just some of those lines just seemed kind of silly and, and uh, totally out of place in a movie that we're seeing here in the, in this day and age. But I still liked that that relationship. And, and also with the fact that this is a PG-13, I can kind of see where the writers are coming from, bringing in a, a, a kid angle. And also it, it gave us the opportunity to show all that fucking DC merch. I mean, I think some of those those single issues of DC Rebirth that he dropped, I think I've got some of those in my closet. So it was kind of funny seeing some of those issues again. Um, the 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 whole idea with this Kandak uh, country that has just they, they've never been able to just stand on their own, and they've always been a people that's been beaten down, and and they had a hero once, and they long for that hero again. And the way that 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 they are so happy when their hero shows up and then the, the justice society comes in, they're all like, fucking boo, get out of here. You don't do shit for us. And it really makes you pause and think, okay, these are the heroes in this movie. And and they're not the ones that are even really fucking doing the job. And so that it was, it had really smart writing in it too. And that it made you think about things like that. And so by the time this movie was all done, I, I left the theater being immensely satisfied with the level of action, and I thought the effects in it looked really, really cool. It might have had a tud, touch too much slow-mo in it, but the slow-mo stuff still did look really cool. And then the the big battle at the end with the with the Sabak, I thought that was not the best-looking CGI I've seen. But I don't know. Overall, I left this movie being really, really stoked and I, I don't think that I can give it a Tupperware at this point, but there's scenes in this movie that are fucking Tupperware scenes for me, and I can't wait to see it again. But overall, I have to just give it a high taste it because there are still some pretty glaring issues with it. But but overall, I still really liked this movie. Okay. All right. High taste it from uh, Joe Stark. Uh, Joe Vitale, tell us what you thought about uh, Black Adam. Well, similar to you know what Tristan and Joe said it's this this has been a long time coming and and I didn't have a lot of expectations high expectations for it especially seeing what happened you know with the you know the rotten tomatoes and the the reviews ahead of time one of the things that did for me personally I had awful audio in my theater I had to go out and complain about it the the center channel dialogue was was totally muffled and the surround sound was playing everything from the movie. 
So I had I was trying to go see it again today because there's a lot of things I didn't hear and couldn't understand. So that kind of made my experience not the best. But again, so full disclosure, everybody knows I'm a huge DC fan, but they don't all get a pass from me. I'm probably one of the few people that did not like Shazam. I am a fan of the original Captain Marvel character, like the Alex Ross version. You know, I didn't care for James Gunn's Suicide Squad. I didn't care for Birds of Prey. You know, I do like Man of Steel. Um, and I was concerned about this movie because you're you're taking one of the most charismatic superstars. And like Tristan and Joe said, you're giving him lines like, I'm not peaceful and I don't surrender. You know, the world needed a hero. It got me. And I was very concerned, like, oh, my God, this is the dialogue in the whole movie. This is this is going to be a train wreck. But thankfully, I think all of that dialogue was shown in the trailers. I'm happy how they use kind of Adriana and Amon as like the comedy to like the rocks kind of straight man, because you can't really make him funny. They did some funny, you know, things with him as far as, you know, who's going to teach you violence, you know, those type of lines. And I thought that was a- appropriate to give it a little bit of levity, but I, I did love, like Joe said, I love the the brutality of it. I like the way he dispatched and killed a bunch of different people. They did some variety. I, I had been looking so forward to seeing the JSA. I'm a huge Dr. Fate and Hawkman fan. And I think they did those characters justice. Pierce Brosnan brought such gravitas to the role. You, you know, you believed he was this crafty veteran who's had decades of superheroing. And I would love to see a JSA type movie. Um, and, you know, you had some of the, the Zack Snyder esque slow mo scenes with some really weird cover song choices. Um, but. I had a lot of fun with the movie. I, I would literally go see it. When, as soon as I got done with the movie, I'm like, I would go see this again right now. What brought it down for me just a tick was that third act. It was a, was a rushed CGI villain that didn't look great. You didn't really care about it. And it was just there for the Black Adam to kind of redeem himself and, and to dispatch the villain. So um, like I said, I think they did push the PG-13 to – as far as it can go. And I would love to see like an unedited or unrated version on home, on home, you know, video or Blu-ray. But, you know, having said all that, I I do give it a high taste that I really enjoyed the movie. I'm, I was very shocked with how long this movie took to get, you know, in front of us, how fun it was to watch. All right. Too high to taste it and to taste it. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to, Jake, I'm going to go with you next. I want to hear what you have to say about Black Adam. Yeah. I didn't have very high expectations about this movie. I wasn't a big fan of the trailers. So I don't know. I kind of didn't know what to expect. Um, but yeah, I hated this movie. This was a, a giant toss it for me. Um, I, I didn't expect to love it, but I didn't expect to loathe it as much as I did. I, I thought the story was really bad. Um, it was just exposition dumps, creating lots of uninspiring action sequences with way too much slowdown, speed up stuff going on. Um, I thought like I love Dwayne Johnson, but like to me, his appeal is he's so imposing on screen. Plus, he has just all this charisma. And I thought this role just like sucked all the charisma out of the rock completely. Uh, they try to give him a little bit of it with his kind of Terminator 2 T-800 relationship that he has with the Amon character. 
but oh, those jokes all fell flat with me. I thought that character really fell flat with his worship of all these, um, you know, American superheroes and everything. Um, I, I hated the music. I, I couldn't believe what was going on with the music. I mean, it was old as bones, rolling stones, paint it black. And then, you know, media favorite Kanye West for three seconds, which was really like shocking to hear. If you're going to play <laughs> it, just, if you're going to play it, just play it. Like if you're only going to play it for three seconds, what are we, what are we doing here? Um, the main bad guy was awful. Um, I agree about the third act just being terrible. Um, he looked like some kind of God of War level boss and like PS3 graphics. And that was really bad to me. Just the whole look of the movie had this really like washed out, saturated color effect and artificial yellowing going on in the, in the locations. And that really like did nothing for my eyes. Um, I thought the JSA all stunk. Um, Hawkeye was super cheesy. His dialogue was the worst. Hawkman. Um, Clint, Bar- man. Clint Barton sorry. did yeah, not yeah. make an appearance in this movie. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm a little under the weather this episode from a from a booster shot. So I'm just trying to get through all my hate bullet points here. Um, <laughs> I thought Dr. Fate was maybe the most interesting, but you saw his fate like 100 miles away. Like I, anyone that's ever seen three movies knew what was going to happen with that storyline. Um, it was also a very odd choice to do the Iron Man inspired inside helmet shots with Dr. Fate. I mean, this is probably the character I knew the most of or about going into this movie. And that seemed like a weird choice to do. Um, Adam Smasher was just there apparently to sell some baked lays. I thought Cyclone's powers were the worst special effects in the movie. Um Yeah. And I just like, I don't know, I I guess The Rock was cast. So like this movie would for sure make money. But like other movies like Wonder Woman, Shang-Chi, Thor, Shazam, Black Panther, like they were able to be successful and good without like casting such a marquee person right in the lead. So I guess in retro retrospect, I that wasn't a great choice for me. And uh, yeah, I I don't think I've ever felt superhero fatigue like I felt walking out of this movie. It, it put me kind of in a bad mood for six to eight hours after it was finished. I will never be seeing it again. Uh, hearing The Rock say it's the first movie of phase one. And this is, to me, a worse beginning than Man of Steel was for the last DCEU. And yeah, I it stunk to me. Okay, don't hold back. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could go on, but I, you know, I, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. I, I can understand why people would like this movie, but this is not the kind of superhero fare for me. Ugh. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. It, it was just refreshing for me seeing just just a just a badass character. To be quite honest with you, I I um, I loved the JSA. I thought that they were fantastic. I uh, did have some bad music choices, um, and then I do think that there was a lot of expo- like an exposition dump at the beginning that they kind of didn't need to get into. Hold on, I'm going to pause here real quick. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I love the fact that this was just like a testosterone fueled movie. I, I, the third act, 
I, I will take the third act of this, even with like the video game level looking graphics, which I mean, honestly, if we're going to, I love Black Panther, but that final battle between Killmonger and Black Panther looked very much like out of a video game. This looked very much out of a video game as well. Like even when it started with Hawkman and then as it went on, it looked like it was from a video game, but I'll take the rock ripping a demon in half over fucking watching children fight gore with enchanted toys in the third act. I'll do, I'll do that any fucking day of the week. Give me fucking testosterone fueled action. I loved that. Um, the rock, you know, throwing a guy, ripping his arm off. I, I, it, I loved it. Um, I did like, I, and I was, I had this in my notes, the Terminator two connection with the kid helping him come up with like the catchphrases Once he takes out a bad guy, you know, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for that fucking movie and, uh, them kind of pulling, from that, I, I enjoyed that. Um, I liked him as the anti-hero, but the protector of Kondok and, and, you know, Joe mentioned, the, you know, the people being oppressed for thousands of years and then, and then booing Hawkman as it for saving those interguard soldiers. You know, I thought that, that all that stuff was great. I loved Noah Centineo. I thought he was very funny. Uh, you know, the, the part where he knocks over the statue in Kondok and, and then Hawkman's like, me and you. Me and you. I'm like, every time he would say me and you, I was just, I loved it. I thought Brosnan was great as Dr. Fate. I was like, man, if they made a Dr. Strange movie back in like a good Dr. Strange movie back in the nineties, Pierce Brosnan would have been perfect as Dr. Strange. And I thought he was fantastic as Dr. Fate. Uh, Cyclone, I thought there was uh, a little bit more that they could have done with her. I mean, I do like that they just kind of threw the JSA out there, really didn't go over a lot of like their back stories just gave us like bits and pieces of it you know she mentions how she was kidnapped at 15 and injected with nanobites and now she can control you know the the air and shit like that i was like okay we're just we don't have to do a whole origin story let's just throw them out there and see what they can do he's like i get big i control air whatever it's like okay let's do this so i had a lot i had a lot of fun with this movie i've seen it twice now First time I saw it in IMAX. Uh, second time I had a sem- similar experience to you, Joe, that the theater, they were, they started to play it and the audio wasn't matching up with what was happening on the screen. It was, it was like a few seconds delayed and I told them and they didn't fix it. And I said, tell you what, I'll just go to the next show. And I went to the next show and caught it again. But, uh, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. It's, it, it, it edges out. Honestly, it edges out, um, Thor. Uh, Love and Thunder for me. And, uh, there's parts of this movie that I liked a lot more than, than the, uh, Doctor Strange movie. So I do think that it just didn't have the, the best villain. So it is lacking in the villain department. And I, for one, don't care that it did have a little bit of that Snyder-esque feel. I like that fucking Snyder slow motion. I don't give a shit. The music, though, <laughs> the music did bo- bother me. You know, like when, when when we're in Condock and they're doing the flashback and he, you know, he tosses the, you know, the guy off the, the, the soldier tosses like the older guy off the cliff. I'm, you know, I just kept thinking about that scene in 300, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> I was, it's fine. I love it. Whatever. I'll take it, man. I'm, I'm not a Snyder hater, but, uh, I, I enjoyed this movie. Quite a bit. I love Mohammed Amir. I thought he was very funny, especially like Dr. Fate saying you'll die by electricity. He's like, I'm an, I'm an electrician. How the, 
<laughs> I was dying. I was dying. But uh yeah, man, I I I you know, it it was it had just enough jokes like, you know, with the catchphrase with the rock where, you know, he th- he throws the guy and then he forgets that he forgot to use his catchphrase and as the guy's falling down, he says it really fast. Tell him tell him Black Adam sent you. And I was just like, "Okay, that's funny." I I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I'm going to give it a high taste. It it does have it's problems. Um, I think, uh, I think it's a little like an exposition dump at the beginning could have been trimmed a little bit or like explained a little bit better. And then some of the music choices weren't great. And then I think the third act, the, the final boss wasn't great, but I did like seeing multiple Hawkmen on the screen. I thought that, that was pretty fucking awesome. And yeah. I, I did get emotional, man. I did get emotional when, even though we spent very little time with this version of Dr. Fate and Hawkman, I did get emotional when, when Hawkman realizes what's going to go down here. So it's, um, did you guys know that there was a 48 page tie in comic before this movie came out? Oh, no. No. Where, where does it take place? Um, let me see here. I, I know I have that information somewhere. Yeah, it's called Black Adam, The Justice Society Files. It's a 48-page prequel comic tie-in. Um, and, uh, it goes over, it, it goes over basically like the reason why Kent Nelson, Dr. Fate joined up for this mission. He's been out for a long time and he's been getting this, this, uh, this vision of a demon. And, um, so when this all started to happen, he joined up. I, I just kind of read over it a little quickly. I didn't get to read the comic, but I read what it was about. But um, it does go into a little bit more of like why Dr. Fate got involved in this battle. So, yeah, if you want to check that out, it's called Black Adam, the Justice Society Files. Awesome. I'm going to look that up. That sounds really good. Yeah. But um, I guess I want to talk about. Uh, yeah. So we got what three. Three high taste it's a taste it and a toss it. So we're all over the place with this one. Not quite a Tupperware, but man, I had I had fun enough, and I was kind of like with you, Joe Vitali, where after the movie ended, I was like, man, I could see this again. I could definitely see. I could watch this again. Yeah, it was you know just some of the other things that they did in the movie, just that maybe make no difference to anybody else. But how he floated, like it reminded me of playing the injustice game where the characters just float off the ground and just move forward, you know, which I thought was an interesting way. And he's plowing through walls all the time. Um, I just, I thought some visually, you know, for being in the location where they're at in the desert, which is going to have always like Jake says, it's going to have this yellow tint to everything. You know, I thought it looked, I thought it looked, you know, pretty decent uh, and I, you know, the cinematography and the production design and, and things like that. And um, I thought I thought it was all I mean, you could tell they spent some money on it, at least I think so, ex- except for the third act for the PS3 graphics. But um, like I said, I, I had fun with it. This had a lot of injustice vibes. Uh, one of my favorite moments, honestly, was when Dr. Fate like did his exact hand movements from his injustice finisher. Yeah. I I think like for Sabak, I think they would have just been better served casting a different actor and having prosthetics on. Agreed. I, I mean, exactly. They because sh- it it looks straight out of a video game, and I I was like, man, it you know, uh, 
I mean, all you have to do is get somebody really big and and then put some prosthetics and makeup on and, you know, just kind of make them look like a giant-sized Hellboy. Yeah, exactly. I was really surprised with the direction that they went there. I don't think the writing did Sabak any favors either. I think if we spent a little bit more time caring about this character's turn and having it not feel so much like a third act swerve all of a sudden, it would have been a little bit better served. Well, to like have some emotion when it came to what happened to, to Sabak. I, I think like, you know, the, 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 the movie does connect him and his family with the original king. And so it's kind of like a rematch between the two now that they're going to be both powered at the end. And they talk about like the mirror of it all, how, you know, he in, in, in that realm of hell, in, instead of saying Shazam, he says Sabak. And instead of like it's instead of six wizards granting him the power, it's like six demons. So it's like a it's like a mirrored version of Shazam from hell. And it's a character from the comics, and I, I I think they could have done a better job of laying it out. But there was a part of me that got really pumped for that battle because it's like I loved what Dr. Fate was saying. He's like, you know, sometimes you don't need a white knight. Sometimes you need, you know, something a little bit darker. And I'm just like, yeah, Black Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, because I'm the kind of guy I, I kind of like that. I like that hero with the fucking edge. You know, that's why I like Wolverine. You know, I like a hero with a fucking little bit of a dark side. I, I, that's why I like some of like some of the Punisher runs. I'm a big fan of, but uh, and that's the reason why I kind of like Black Adam here too. It, and he had people that were like rooting for him in Kandak, like he's their protector. And I kind of I, I like I like that they were able to to do that. You know, because it's not just like this guy was just like going around doing evil shit. I felt like he took on. You know, Adriana and her son as kind of like a surrogate family, you know, to the family that he lost. And and then, you know, even at the end where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not the ruler, but I will be the protector, destroys the throne. So, I mean, there's a lot that I did like about this movie. Well, yeah, yeah I think comics, those are, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. In, in the comics and newer versions that, you know, both of them, Amon and Adriana get his powers too. Yes. And they, and they all fight together because before the movie, when I was on IMDB, they had Sarah Shahi's character listed as ISIS. I'm like, did I just get a spoiler? Like, is, are they going to give her, it's going to remind me of the old Shazam and ISIS hour from Saturday, you know, afternoons from when I was a kid. So, uh, it feels like a character they would rename. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Go ISIS. ISIS. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I, I I think that you know I think they could go a lot of different ways. Well, we'll talk about I, we know the ways they're going to go yeah. as far as make a, a sequel. But uh, I I was I was shocked at the Henry Winkler cameo. Yes, <laughs> that was the other Henry cameo that I was surprised about. Yeah, do you think that was? like a case of him not being able to make it to set or, or something, because it was just kind of odd that you get a character of that. I mean, he's not the hugest actor, but he's a, you know, he's a namesake and he just appears on a freaking FaceTime. Yeah. Rock like FaceTime bullied him into being in the movie on set or something. It was weird. I wonder if that was just the easiest way to explain how such a young character had the Adam Smasher suit and all that. Yeah, I think you're just like, you know, passing it off because uh, I, I th- 
you know, um, cyclone. Um, in this version, her mother was the red tornado. So I think, oh, just, that's cool. I think, I think we're just looking at two legacy characters and they just kind of wanted to throw one of them, one of them in here so we could see Henry Winkler. And it's just like, you know, I like Henry Winkler. Give me more Henry Winkler. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I love the way the mask looked on the Adam Smasher suit. Hard, hardcore Deadpool vibes. Oh, yeah. But it's just more proof that, that Hollywood has really nailed this like white eye look in a, in a mask. And so it's like, I'm going to keep up standing on this soapbox saying, give me a Batman with white eyes in the cowl, please. Oh, yeah. The technology works and it'll look so fucking cool. Yeah. It reminded me more of Mr. Knight than Deadpool, actually. Oh, yeah, I could see that. I I kept. Yeah, I can see both. I I, I definitely was thinking Deadpool when we were watching. Um, But yeah. Oh, the closest we've gotten to like the white eyed Batman was like when he was wearing like the armored suit in Batman v Superman yeah. and it was glowing. That's the closest yeah. I think we've ever gotten, but it would work. It would look so good as opposed to just, you know, painting dark circles around the eyes. Um, Joe, you mentioned, uh, you know, Amon and Adriana, Adriana getting powers eventually. I think it is going to happen. I think, you know, you've got Amon wearing the red cape at the end of the movie and a lot of people were thinking, oh, it's just foreshadowing the fact that we're going to get this cameo at the end. And I think it's foreshadowing, honestly, that Black Adam's going to be giving him some powers later on down the road, as well as Adriana. And uh, The Rock was actually doing uh, press and talked about her character. And he said, here's an interesting character who doesn't have any powers yet. And so he threw that line out there. So I think like that's that might be something going forward into like Black Adam 2. Where she, you know, just like, uh, you know, you've got the Shazam family and Shazam granted them powers. He might be like, well, you know what? Uh, Here's the Black Adam family. And so, you know, granting those two powers to kind of help protect them. So, well, how they always had it in the comics. Um, So when you have the Shazam, the family, the powers are split. So he is not as strong as Black Adam is right now when everyone is powered up that's the way i understand it so if to ha- if they're going to have a movie down the road way down the road where he is going to be battling the Shazam and the Shazam family that's why when you see some of those older comics that's that all five of them going after black adam because they need all five of them to match him mm. so yeah i was I, I, I... I was, okay, in the Shazam movie, didn't they reveal that Black Adam killed the other wizards? I think so, and that there was just the the, the one wizard was left to yes. imprison him. But didn't in the movie, didn't they show a flashback of all six of them imprisoning yes. him? Was that yes. was that a false flashback or was that actually what happened? Well, did they? I'm trying to remember. Did did they did they retcon it for this movie? Because isn't isn't in this movie where he killed? Is this the one he killed the other ones except the wizard? But in the Shazam, I'm trying to remember. I haven't seen Shazam. I've, I've seen Shazam like once because yeah. I just don't care for it. So I'm just trying to remember. I think it's remember. a retcon thing. I, I think yeah. they just retconned it to to make the the rock a little bit more of a or to make black adam a little bit more of a likable character 
That makes sense. I mean, they're calling this the first movie of a new phase. So they kind of have a little bit of liberty, I think, to make retcons and changes to help them move forward. Well, yeah, because they don't want to follow the comic, the newer comics, because he he's uh, Amon in the comic. I think it's his nephew. And in one of the stories, he he tricks him to stealing his powers and he kills him. Yeah. So I don't think you want to do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You don't do that in this movie. Like the character is no. pretty much irredeemable at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what did you guys think about? Like, I was a little shocked that it was Amanda Waller calling in the JSA. Yeah, me too. So you've got Amanda Waller. She's got Task Force X, which they basically do all the the jobs that are kind of like, you know, swept under the rug that they don't want anybody to know about. But then like the public team is the JSA um, and they have everything at their disposal. They've got that nth metal ship, which I thought was awesome. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I was just a little uh, I wasn't confused. I was just a little shocked that Amanda Waller was yeah. the one that was kind of like, you know, um, going to Hawkman and saying, hey, you know, send out the JSA. Who's the team you've got assembled to go out? And just seeing Amanda Waller kind of like in charge of this. At this point, she's like the biggest villain in the DCEU, right? It feels like if there's any connective thread going on through a lot of these later things they've been doing, it's it's definitely Waller, right? This This has to come to a head at some point. Well, it would be really cool to see them actually do like a Justice League versus Suicide Squad in the future if they plan to do, you know, carry on that thread with Waller. But I, I felt that same way. I, I was asking myself, why in the hell would, would Justice Society members be taking orders from her? It would make sense if they had to work with her because, you know, they don't kill and they need a place to lock these dangerous supervillains up. And so who better to partner up with than a, you know, a supermax security that's meant for supervillains, but to actually take orders from them, I thought was strange. Yeah, I just yeah, think- I felt this, I felt the same way. I just I it, that took me back. I'm like, OK, so she's she's the big you know person who's going to control like teams that go out. I I mean, I don't know if they're going to do some type of other explanation down the road but uh it's just one of those things you just had to go with like okay that's what they're doing i i don't know i i i enjoyed the the battle between the jsa and black adam in this i thought it was a fun battle i like seeing superheroes fight black adam um hawkman just would not stop relentless and then um i felt like when cyclone was like throwing those metal poles at Black, I'm like, I'm like yeah. what is that going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Imprison him. That's what I was like. Is she really trying to make a cage for this guy? That's not going to work at all. But, uh, you know, like it was I thought it was fun with Adam Smasher, you know, kind of like, you know, the rookie on the team and going the wrong direction. Then seeing like this huge like ex- <laughs> d- explosion in the background and he turns around, and starts running the other way. And, you know, I, I, I kind of had fun with with that. I, I liked watching the team up battles and watching what Dr. Fate had to do. I thought Dr. Fate was very cool on screen. So. And I love the way that they were able to show his powers, make him totally awesome, and yet still be completely different from what the MCU is doing with Doctor Strange. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it, it worked so well. And for the most part, I thought the majority of the CGI in this movie was pretty damn good. Um, Adam Smasher it, it was, looked Adam Smasher looked great. Yes, he did. He yeah. did. And and I loved the way that Hawkman looked. I totally believed his all the, the motions with his wings and everything yes. and how detailed all of his suit was. Um they, I, I do agree Cyclone's powers looked kind of wonky at times, but it's a weird thing to to portray on the screen. Uh, I did think it looked interesting that they brought the different colors into it. But at the end of the day, it's like you're blowing around wind, you know, <laughs> uh, the thing I thought Cyclone was like beautiful, like beautifully done, but just poor CGI. If that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. It just didn't combine with uh, what else was going on very well at all. Yeah. Hawkman's wings, the part where he like he's getting pissed off at Black Adam for killing people. And he, it's like when he controls that 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 left wing and just destroys the table and chairs. I'm just like, oh, my God, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> you know, just like it's, instead of like kicking it with his foot, he just destroys it with his wings. I just thought that that was very cool. It looked awesome. And I like the back and forth. I thought Aldous Hodge was great in this movie. I like the back and forth between him and the and, and, and Black Adam. Like he just would not stop. And, 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 and Black Adam, you know, taking those inner guards up into this up into the sky and saying, <laughs> you know, trying to get information out of him. First one to tell me, you know, I'm not going to drop. <laughs> And then he ends up dropping the second one. And you could just Hawkman has to save both of these fucking guys. And he's pissed off. I, I, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, that, that vibe was was just excellent. And, and to, to kind of go back to just how brutal The Rock portrayed Black Adam in this, I thought it was really, really refreshing to see, you know, a quote unquote hero doing that because, I mean, all, all these inner court guards or inner gang guards, I mean, they they all – they're all pieces of shit. I mean, just the way that you see yeah. them treating these people in Kandak and in the way that these people cheer when they die, because I mean, can you imagine if you had to live every day like that, go through these checkpoints yeah. and, and get hassled by these people, how many times a day do you wish death on them? And then to see it literally come in from the sky in the guise of, you know, your champion returned and very cool to see a, a, a hero like that portrayed in a modern movie. Cause so many of our heroes are are of the oh I don't kill variety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that I agree as well that the fact that the crowd reacted positively to the killing is very spot on because that's exactly how the public would react. I mean, the, the public doesn't have that moral conscience that that guy should be delivered to prison without any harm. You know. <laughs> Well, it's like, you know, these people like you're talking about a country that's been oppressed for thousands of years. And here they are getting oppressed again by Interguard. And uh, in the comics, Interguard, uh, I mean, you you find out that they're not just controlled by this Ishmael guy. I mean, it's it's Lex Luthor and uh, Darkseid that are kind of running the show with Interguard. So, like, these guys might show up in future DCEU movies but working for somebody else, we might find out like it's Luthor. So, Bach, if oh, they're working with you... Darkseid, they deserve to be dropped from on high. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have that, you know, Sarah Shahi's character. It was, you know, talking to Hawkman. It's like, where have you guys been? Yeah, been under their rule for twenty five years, and that that actually makes you think. Like, where have these heroes been? Because, you know, and that's one of the things I kind of didn't believe, wouldn't have believed, is that he would have. 
Superman and all these characters in his room, like those are the people that should be coming to f- free your country. But where are they? So I, th- I thought that was an interesting. I thought that was an interesting premise. Yeah, I, I like that too. Um, where it's like the only reason you're here is to like put our protector in check. <laughs> like, like this is this is the guy that we want. This is the justice we want. And you guys are here to put him in check. And it's like, where have you been this entire time? Our country's been oppressed by intergang. So yeah, yeah. I thought I thought I, I mean, like that as well. Basically a basically a metaphor for the United States, right? I mean yeah. we should we show up whenever it serves us and we don't give a shit when other things happen to people. <laughs> well, and they're mining that it you know, that eternium. Um, so, so that's what I kind of thought, like, instead of having that third act of having just this CGI villain is, you know, they set up this mine and when they have all this Eternium, which is, you know, his kryptonite basically. Yeah. Uh, and I think you could have, you could have, you could have designed something around them taking you know, a really getting rid of inner gang, you know, from the country. But I know, you know, big movies, you got to have a big villain at in the third act and that's that's what they did yeah this the the eternium and the mining of it so they're just using the eternium for like their weapons correct weapons and they're like that looks like that like the engines on those those hover bikes or whatever they were it makes you wonder if waller is not somehow in charge of like mining some of this eternium as well (laughs) <laughs> or yeah, or if now she's going to be interested in it now that she's seen what sort of power it has. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I, I can't. I'm not saying that Waller is in charge of the uh, is in charge of Intergang. I'm not saying that, but it just makes you wonder that. I think that she would now, especially now, have an interest in Eternium. Well, kind of like oh. what it was at in Avengers with uh, the uh, the power from. Um, from the Tesseract, you know, with Fury making the weapons and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, she could use it for her own for her own teams. Yeah, and especially if Black Adam's going to be a problem going forward. Um, what did you guys think about uh, Harcourt from the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker showing up in the uh, in the uh, prison? I thought that that was really cool. I was was really, really happy to see her in this. And overall, though, I do feel like that whole scene could have been cut from the movie and they could have done done things differently, I think, to speed along the third act. But it was cool to see her in it. I was my memory is muddled, but wasn't she at odds with Amanda Waller at the end? Yeah, she was. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But doesn't this take place before the Peacemaker series? Oh, does it? Oh, I think so. I, I didn't know that, but that would make sense of that storyline. Okay. Yeah, I think it takes place before. I, I could be wrong, but I think it takes place before the Peacemaker series. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I enjoyed seeing Harcourt. I just, I kept, when I was watching it, I, I, I hadn't been looking at like my, the time on my watch or anything like that. And, 
I thought when the, I thought the movie was over. I was like, okay, oh. they're just they're gonna leave they're gonna leave him in there, and we're done. I thought it was the only one. <laughs> so you thought it too, Tristan? I was like, okay. I thought that was the end. I thought that was the end. Yeah, like I, it felt like it was like a, a you know an hour forty five. Yeah, past. I was like, okay, this is how we wrap it up. I was like, okay, so like you know, like Ishmael getting the crown, you know, and it never, never, you know, he's dead. So it's kind of like Sauron never getting the ring back. And I was just like, okay, this is it. This is the end of the movie. We're going to wrap it up. Where's this mid credit scene we've been hearing about? And then all of a sudden, it's like we've got like this whole extra like third act point five going on. I was kind of shocked that the movie was still going. I wasn't complaining, but I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know we had more of this story to tackle here. <laughs> And we are out of things to say, apparently. <laughs> but I thought, so, so the one thing, so if he, the one thing, it, he, again, we're talking about the third act is, you know, with him being captured, giving up his powers, it's it, that was just resolved too fast. It was it, it it reminded me of like was a Star Trek Into Darkness where Kirk was dead for like five minutes and then he's back. You know, he's. They they he gets rid of his powers and then of course now you have the demon and that now they've got he's got to be freed so we can you know continue off the third act and I thought it would have been a lot easier for him you know once he was out of that out of that contraption to just pull the mask off and say Shazam instead of floating up a thousand feet from the bottom of the ocean. And when you're oh, mortal, yeah. I don't know how that how off how how well that would go for someone, but uh, I thought it was definitely cool that then you saw like the, a a fresh suit with a cape, and he was you know kind of ready for action from there. I thought I thought it, w- it was really nice because the the early costume and things like that you could tell was like the old beat up rundown costume for thousands of years. So I thought they I thought they did a good good job with the the new suit with the cape and how he looked. I felt like one of the is that oh go ahead. I was going to ask. Um, I I didn't read a whole lot of Shazam growing up. Is that a common way to prevent him from saying Shazam is to submerge him underwater? I don't. I mean, I guess so. I don't think I've ever seen that. They they've always in the comics really they they've tricked him into saying like the name backwards to forwards and things like that. So he would lose his powers. Um, And the other thing they've done in the comics when, when he, they've done things when he's, when he's lost his powers, then he is rapidly aged. Like he's thousands of years. So um, I guess shoving somebody underwater is a good way to do it too, I guess. I I think that that whole scene with them kind of depowering him and and taking him in and putting him in that cell, I think all that could have really been cut out and just written slightly differently for runtime and just have a different way that then Dr. Fate reaches out to him and gives him the speech that eventually turns him around and makes him come back and and fight on the side of good. And as much as I like seeing Harcourt there and, and so many of the visuals were very cool with like the nose of the jet detaching and diving under the water. All that was really, really cool. The, especially seeing, you know, the, the whole sub 
you know, ocean, subwater. What fucking word am I looking here? Like the like the that submarine station that they had under the 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 ice cap there. It looked so fucking cool, but I just don't think ultimately it needed to be in the movie. I, I think if you'd have just saved a little bit of that red time, make it a little under two hours instead of a little over, it could have tightened up the plot a little bit. I kept thinking to myself, so they're underwater and he's in a breathable room, but he's in a encased tomb that's in covered in water. In I was water. like, it's a little redundant, guys. I don't. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, going to SeaWorld, but it's underwater. And then you're in a breathable room underwater, but then you get to watch aquatic animals. <laughs> I was just like, okay, this is a lot of water going on here. Just showing off at that point. Well, and also, how long does Hardcore have to just hang out in Antarctica? Did she just show up because she got paged? Like, hey, Black Adam's coming in. You need to be part of the reception committee. And she's like, oh, shit, I need to catch a fucking a series of flights to go down to Antarctica and go under the ocean. Or is she just like, was this part of like the shit list that she got in, you know, after the suicide squad. And so she had to do some time down in Antarctica. I thought one of the worst kept secrets in this movie was the fact that, um, that the, that, that the rock was the father and that the son died, you know? Yes, yeah. They yes. stretched that out way too much well, because they gave it away in the in the in the I trailer. That was given away in the trailer. It was in yes, the trailer. Yeah, it was given away in the trailer. So I'm like, this whole time, I'm just like, okay, we're gonna get this big reveal that you know that the kid died, and this is this is the father. Okay, so I don't know why they felt the need to have that in the trailer and give that away. You know, because like nothing really hit at that point, even like the giant statue that was erected, that was his son. Like, you know, I don't know. I just don't think it hit as hard as it would have if they would have not given that away in the trailer. So, yeah, they have a big flashback moment for it. You're absolutely correct. Like they it seems like the filmmakers intended that to hit and to be a swerve, like yeah. the way it was laid out and paced. But yeah, that it was really it was really crazy seeing uh, Dwayne Johnson like kind of like the Captain America first Avenger effect. <laughs> yes, on, on that on that body. They weren't I, as good though. Oh really? I, I I thought they looked just as good. I both looked really freaky. Dude, his head, head looked head so big. big. His head was yeah. big. It looked like a fucking orange on a toothpick. <laughs> like Sputnik. <laughs> That's what well you that's what happens when you do steroids guys your head your head gets bigger so <laughs> It's true look at all look at all these guys that fucking do these steroids their fucking heads are huge look at <laughs> fucking like Lex Luthor Lex Luger and oh, John Cena's got a giant melon I mean so Oh yeah he's got like a seven <laughs> head Yeah <laughs> When that kid from Jerry Maguire said the human head weighs eight pounds, he was not talking about fucking John Cena. John... That's why these fucking guys have to do all these like neck workouts and shit to support their gigantic melons atop their head. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever sense. watched the show Young Rock, um, you know, the show that Rock has. With the sitcom, yeah, I haven't seen it. The sitcom. I've, I've heard good things. Uh, I, I kind of want to yeah, see it at some point. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's entertaining. Um, the guy that plays Young Rock in college was the guy that played uh, Young uh, Black Adam, uh, the kid that turned into Black Adam. Okay. Huh? Oh, yeah. cool. 
Yeah, they look very similar. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was confused at the beginning of the movie when they started playing Smashing Pumpkins. I was like, is this taking place in the 90s? <laughs> they're, they're, they're just behind on what music they get there. Like 20 yeah. years behind. <laughs> Jake mentioned the Kanye West uh, uh, power song coming on. And I, I, I know that it's, you know, the movie was in the can. But after the weeks that Kanye had the past couple weeks, I know they're cringing when that when that cut came through. Like the whole- yeah, It was three three seconds long, too. If you're going to play yeah. it, just own it and play it. It was, so, it was such a bizarre choice. Yeah. I did. Uh, I, I liked, you know, you know, the the back and forth between Hawkman and Black Adam this entire time. You know, don't kill people. Don't kill people. Don't kill people. And then we and then Dr. Fate dies and then Black Adam shows up and then Hawkman's down and they exchanged looks, Black Adam and Hawkman. And I loved it when Hawkman said, beat his ass. I was like, yes. <laughs> it was like that moment in fucking Rocky when Adrian, you know, gives him the oh, gives him the approval win. to go and fight, you know. Win, Rocky. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then you just hear, ding. Yeah, suckers for that. Oh, I, I'm a huge sucker for that, Joe. Bell dings after that. Yes. Win. And then you get the montage. Then baby. you get the montage, man. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There is it, it, it's yes, there's like certain things in this movie that just like trigger those responses for me that get me pumped up and want me to see like, you know, the this anti-hero just beat some ass. Um I do wish that the you know, the third act CG was a little bit better, but you know, I I'll take fucking the rock ripping a demon in half over some of the shit that I've seen in some of the Marvel stuff lately. So, you know, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't want to poop in anyone's peanuts about this movie. This movie was not for me and I, I detested it. But like, <laughs> on the other hand, I I understand that there is an audience for this. And I, I don't think it's like a complete trash movie. It's just not a movie meant for me in any way whatsoever. Like, it's not like I want to argue and say, oh, you should hate this movie. It's not that kind of bad movie to me. It's just definitely not for me. Yeah, I just like I, I don't know, man. I just like sometimes I just want to see a badass on the screen. And if he if, you know, the some of the cringy dialogue that you guys didn't like, I was just like, yeah, but he could back it up. <laughs> I wish they would have, I wish they would have leaned into him being a bit more of a villain, though. Like he definitely was was violent, but it was like it was all like Punisher violence, like all for the greater good. Like there's never I don't know. It would have been a bit more interesting if it was a bit more gray to me. Like Timmy, he kills just as many people as any other DC character in these DCEU movies. Like I, oh god, think of the body count in this film. I, I mean, it's like I was thinking they learned nothing from Man of Steel. I mean, they were just yeah, so the JSA man. They were they were as much as Hawkman or was preaching about you know not killing. They were sure doing their fair share too. Yeah, I kept thinking like when Adam Smasher fell out of the sky and went big, I was like, how does he know he's not going like, to land on a bunch of people here? <laughs> I loved it when he was like shooing cars out of his way, too. Oh, I yeah, I like that, too. Uh, I also liked when he showed up to, for the second meeting with Black Adam and he shows up with a bucket of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Fate is just so embarrassed that he makes it disappear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, the Adam Smasher character was great. Yeah, 
Yeah, I did. I liked Adam Smasher quite a bit. I thought Noah Centineo was great. Like, I've only seen him in, like, the Netflix rom-com movies and stuff. And he was the guy who was cast as uh, as um, uh, Prince Adam He-Man for the live-action movie that got nixed, axed over there at Netflix. But um, I liked him in this. I thought he did bring a, a little bit of, like, that uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man comic relief to this. You know, a younger character. and Yeah, know. the green hero. Yeah, I liked it. I did like it. I, I, I thought he was very funny. And I, the, him and Hawkman, you know, me and you, me and you. I loved it. <laughs> so funny. Well, in the way, like I said, I love Pierce Brosnan. And I love the way that just the way he, he just carried himself, the way he walked. You know, occasionally he's popping like a Mentos, you know, and he's got the helmet in the other hand. Uh, I just I just thought he just did a really good job of of. Like, again, as I said before, like this veteran, you know, old time superhero kind of coming back into the fold. So I just uh, like I said, I'm a huge Dr. Fate fan. So just seeing him on the screen, is yeah. just like I never thought I would see the day to see Dr. Fate on the big screen. No, it was cool. Oh, I, I like JSA. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say the same with the reference to Int Metal. I was like, holy shit, Int Metal in live action. This is fucking wild. What a time. You know, we, we talked earlier about like how quickly it was to to that he kind of surrendered. Right. You know, that Black Adam surrendered and said Shazam. And then they, I mean, they put him in the in the underwater kind of coffin or whatever you want to call it. Um, do you think it was do you do you think he did that just because he mentioned it one time? That he said that the powers were not a gift, but a curse. And he's just kind of like, I'm done with this. I mean, wh- why do you th- why did he surrender so so quickly? I wonder if it's just because the crown was. I mean, it, it maybe he felt like he had he had done enough, and and it got to the point where he had admitted that you know no he wasn't the champion. You know, he kind of told the truth of it all. So he must have just felt maybe a little defeated after that. I don't know. They they didn't do the best job of explaining why he would suddenly give that up. I mean, they, uh, he said, you know, the powers are not a gift. They're a curse. But like we saw him, you know, as he's in the water later, you know, get to be reunited with his family, which reminded me of like the moment gladiator. Of being a gladiator. gladiator. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He gets to see his family again. I was thinking like instead of. Wouldn't you think that the guy would just want to die instead of being fucking like locked up for eternity? I didn't understand the whole. I don't know. Yeah, I just was a little confused about why he would surrender so easily at the end there. I think they just wanted to go for like the 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 impact of him coming back and and taking on Sabak, but. Yeah, just and the, the way they did it with within the middle of the battle, Dr. Fate, you know, splitting himself into multiple parts and, and having some of it be able to show up and talk to him while he's in that water and then have him, you know, just kind of give him the strength to break himself out. It was all really, really cool. But I would I, I would have done that differently to save on runtime. Well, Dr. Fate could have been like, oh, God, hey, no. We need to keep him out uh, for a little bit. We can do <laughs> yeah. You could say that Shazam bit a little bit later. Uh, you got to kill Sabak is coming here soon. So <laughs> don't go. Don't go anywhere just yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I guess he did just go like full on like 
you know, small nuclear bomb right. inside that place. And and so I think everyone was kind of like, you see, you see, this is what we told you you did 5,000 years ago. Told you he was going to do it again. I, Dr. Fate, when he realizes that this is the moment, he's like, you know, for for 100 years, I've always seen what's coming next. And for the first time, I can't see anything. It was kind of it was like bittersweet, right? It's like, you know, this guy's going to die. He's going to sacrifice himself. Hawkman feels it. Hawkman just is he, he doesn't want this to happen. But it's like. Dr. Fate in this moment is just – it's like he's happy. It's like – Oh, yeah. He's a, well, it's a beautiful scene. Imagine yeah, what a is. burden it would be. Yeah. To to always know what the future is and always feel compelled to act on it and then all of a sudden look into that space in your mind where you're always seeing this burden and it's no longer there. It's, well, and then, it, you had, and then you had Hawk scene. Yeah, and then you and then you had Hawkman. You know, he's the warrior, like you know, like the Klingon. Like I want to die in battle. Like don't you know? Basically, don't take that from me. So you had that scene too. So, but like you know, like Jake said at the beginning, it was just all telegraphed. Like you knew what was going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it's that's like movie making one hundred and one. But uh, yeah, I did but, a pretty good job with it. But though. it's but yeah, it's Pierce Brosnan and the way he delivers the lines. I thought it was just it was, it was fantastic. I also loved fucking uh, Hawkman. Just visually looked awesome, and I loved that when he when the mace transforms into the battle axe when he's fighting oh yeah <laughs> oh shit yeah oh my god that yeah, was fucking I liked dope how, um i liked how i'll just hodges um eyes emote through that mask yeah 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 he's I, I i like i like that actor quite a bit i thought he brought a lot to the character and uh i was really worried um that uh, I was worried that there would be a moment where maybe he would die and, and, and then be come back, you know, get reincarnated and come back later as a different version. So I'm glad they're going to stick with this version of Hawkman for a while. And it sounds like they're going to they, at one time, didn't they say that they were going to introduce Hawkgirl into this? And it sounds like she's going to yeah. be coming in future installments in, in the DCEU somewhere. So, yeah, yeah. Um, That's but, exciting. I hope they give us a real fucking warrior of a Hawkgirl, too, like from the. Justice League animated series. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, they've got some casting to do. I think. How do you think they did on casting on this one? I mean, I, I thought I, I really, I, I like the supporting cast. To be quite honest with you. you know, Same. I thought the casting on this was great. Everybody did a really good job. Lo- loved seeing Mo in this. I was such a huge fan of him from yeah. from his Netflix show. And um, and I thought he was great in this. I loved him showing up in the van playing that. I can't remember off the top of my Baby, head what come that song back. was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking great. That got such a good laugh out of our audience when they when they had the recall to that, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought all the supporting cast was great. The the chemistry between The Rock and the kid was really good, too. And and they really needed that for that storyline to work. And and it, it did totally pull off, man. I mean, it's been said more than once, the T2 vibes, and they were totally there. The, the, when when Sabak starts controlling the Legion of the Dead, I thought they looked cool, but they didn't do shit. Oh, they were <laughs> yeah. like, like level video game. Like you just hit <laughs> one time with a pipe and they die. Yeah, it's like it, just make sure that you have <laughs> – Episode one, battle droids. Just make no, sure – it, like, it was like uh, Harry Hamlin, Clash of the Titans type stuff, you know? <laughs> There was a fun. There was a child safely rolling around the battlefield on a skateboard. They weren't that big of a threat. 
<laughs> yeah, what is up with that kid's room and the the, the uh that like that secret exit that he had in the in the in the file folder or whatever? That's some cool shit. Every kid who saw this movie was like, "Fuck, I want an escape tunnel in my room." <laughs> that that's better. That was better than the uh the the chair in Batman Forever, you know, that Val Kilmer you know, shoot goes down a chair to the bat cave like sixty miles away. Does Amon not know who Shazam is? Like he seems to love all these superheroes. Is he not aware is Shazam not a public figure? Right. I mean he would be way more public figure than Batman. Yeah, it, I, I just like, thought that was a weird omission. Like, wouldn't this character be a little bit curious about the connection going on? Clearly, with you know Black Adam. Yeah, costume. that is weird. Like, why was that never brought up? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised they even showed us like the word Shazam happening. Like I didn't expect the I thought they were really going to go out of their way to distance themselves from that lore. And I, I was happy to see that they didn't. But I thought that was like once you open that can of worms, I thought it made the Amon character look really weird that he was like so into all this stuff, but wouldn't for a second bring any of it up. Like yeah, the I secret wonder- escape was more important than him knowing all this stuff about superheroes. I, I wonder if just uh, Shazam is just like local to Philly at this point in the in the storyline, and so he hasn't been he hasn't gotten picked up by whatever company is making these comic books and and commercializing the superheroes because that's where where he seems to know all this stuff is from the commercialization of it. Yeah, he needs a better agent. I, uh, that's a good explanation. <laughs> yes, Billy Batson <laughs> needs a better agent. <laughs> um, I mean, I I think. We, I don't know. Did you guys have any final thoughts about anything in the movie? Because I do want to definitely get to the mid credit scene and some of the other things that we got to talk about. I, I can't. I, I hope that this sticks to the the HBO formula recently, and in forty five days it hits HBO Max. Because I would love to see this again from the comfort of my home. I hope that that goes away, Joe. I hate. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a lots of reasons why it sucks. But but uh, I I will greedily accept the reason that uh, it benefits me personally. Yeah, just uh, yeah 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 yeah. It's like I hope that shit goes away. I'm so the 45 day window is just killing theaters. It's, it is. It, it encourages people to just not go and see it in the theater because they're like, oh, I'll wait a month and a half. And quite honestly, this is a movie to where it'll benefit you to see it on the the biggest screen with the loudest sound system you have in your area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of the 45 day. So I just, I, I feel bad for theater owners, you know? So, and I, the box office too, but, um, yeah. Most of us enjoyed this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's among, among the pantheon of DCEU movies we've gotten, this is in the top half for sure. Easily in the top half. Yeah. I I, like, I would yeah. say even in like the top quarter. Yeah. I'm glad you guys liked it. I, I can't wait until I'm older and forget more of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the mid credit scene and some other things. So we'll be and the future of Black Adam, where all this all could lead. And uh, we'll do some theorizing as well. So we'll be right back. Hey, taking a quick break here, we're going to go over a couple new contests as well as winners for last week's contest, the Easter Sunday Digital Codes. This movie stars Joe Coy 
And actually, let's go over those winners right now. Let's figure out. Let's find out who won digital copies of Easter Sunday. First winner is going to be Monica Garola. Big surprise there. Uh, number two, Steven Chavez. Number three, Michael Forte. Number four, Larry Mayday. And the final winner is going to be Dakota Johnson. So those are the five winners for Easter Sunday. Congratulations. Thanks for entering, everyone. And then uh, let's also go over a couple of new contests that we have lined up. And uh, this first one is going to be for... A new Brian Cranston movie. Oh, yeah, this one. I remember seeing this one. We reviewed it on the show. Jerry and Marge go large. Brian Cranston, Annette Benning, and Rain Wilson star in Jerry and Large, Jerry and Marge go large. Inspired by a true story, a retiree named Jerry Selby discovers a mathematical loophole to win the lottery. He and his wife Marge use their winnings to revive their small hometown. But when a selfish college student cheats the system, Jerry must find a way to make the game fair for all. Buy or rent Jerry and Marge go large on digital now. It's directed by David Frankel and it's rated PG 13. And I've got five digital codes to give out to our listeners. All you have to do is I'm going to be sending out a Facebook post and a tweet about Jerry and Marge go large. All you have to do is share it on Facebook or retweet it on Twitter. Send me the screenshot proving that you did to contest at popcultureleftovers.com, title it Jerry and Marge Go Large, and next week we'll go over the winners for that contest, and you can be entered to win one of five digital codes. Also, we're offering physical copies of a uh, new uh, movie here. It is Dangerous Game. John Voight and Jonathan Reese Meyer star in the nail-bitingly suspenseful thriller Dangerous Game, now streaming on Redbox. A family reunion at a remote mansion takes a lethal turn when they are trapped inside and forced to play a deadly survival game where only one will make it out alive. Stream Dangerous Game instantly on Redbox On Demand today. It's rated R from Paramount Pictures. It's saying physical copies, but since this is Redbox, it could be the Redbox digital code. So I'll know more next week. Please enter the contest, though. This is for Dangerous Game. Same rules apply here. I'm going to send out a Dangerous Game tweet and a Dangerous Game Facebook post. Retweet it. Share it on Facebook. Send me the screenshot proving that you did. And then title it Dangerous Game. And then you'll be entered into the contest and you can win one of five copies, physical or digital. I'll find out for sure next week of Dangerous Game. And that is from Paramount Pictures. All right, let's get back to the Black Adam review. All right, hey, we are back and we're going to be talking about the uh, mid-credits scene that dropped in the theater. Jake, I mean, before The Rock even confirmed any of this, you know, we had heard the rumor I have no problem reporting on a rumor because, like, you don't know if it's going to be true. But then when it comes when it comes out of the Rock's mouth, you gotta you gotta feel at that point like he's doing this. They're gauging the box office, and he's like, "We got to get that extra push. We got to get that extra push." And you got to feel like that's the reason they're telling people to get more butts and seats to watch this movie. 
I, I 100% agree. And I, you know me. I'm not a big fan of that kind of thing. I always love the element of surprise. It's one thing for it to be a maybe this could happen. But, man, once it came out of the rock's mouth, it really just, like, sucked all the shock out of the whole moment. Yeah, we're all expecting it to happen. But I was still surprised uh, during my second viewing of Black Adam how many people left and didn't stick around <laughs> To see it. That, that's that's what blows my mind is the fact that like I would say more than half of my theater when the credits wow. started playing walked out like I, I, I you'd think that in this day and age, especially with Marvel and them and them being like the king of like mid credits and post credit scenes that people would stick around for a DC movie to see if there's any post credit scenes. People just walking out. I, I'm telling you, there there was like a, just a handful of people left after my second viewing. It was wild. <laughs> That's classic. That is you'd wild. Think, yeah, you'd think by now well, that audiences would be trained on superhero movies. Um, w- w- when I saw it, as soon as the scene was over, there was this dude down near the front of the auditorium. He stood up and faced the back, all of us, and he goes, you can all leave now. This is the only one. I Googled <laughs> this shit. <laughs> and I was like, you're what the real hero, hero, man. Yeah, <laughs> I hey, chatted Brian, with him all the way out to the parking lot. He was a cool guy. <laughs> What's that, Tristan? Your theater walked out. When half of your theater walked out, did they seem to have enjoyed the movie? Like as far as the reception? Yes, yes. People, uh, I would say, uh, in my first theatrical viewing of it in IMAX. Uh, it was a four o'clock show, and so not everybody's off work or whatever. So it wasn't, it didn't have as many people as in my second showing. But, and I was sitting right around people, and we were all laughing at the same parts. We all were, uh, you know, getting excited at certain moments. Um, my second showing, Tristan, um, it was hard to say because I was sitting way in the back and away from people because on the right side of the theater were like a group of 10 kids that I did not want to be near at all (laughs) and they kept going in and out of the theater you know and i did not want to be near any of that so i sat way in the back uh, out of sight from most of the people that were there but um i'd say a lot of people were engaged and enjoying it in that first imax viewing so yeah um but we did get the mid-credits scene i actually have the audio recorded and i want to play it now You have my attention. This is going to be your only warning. You don't want to stay in my prison, that's fine. Kandak is your prison now. You step one foot outside of it, you will not live to regret it. There's no one on this planet that can stop me. I can call in a favor and send people who aren't from this planet. Send them all. As you wish. It's been a while since anyone's made the world this nervous.
And then Black Adam says it's Morbin time. And yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, Waller basically says, you know, don't leave Kondok or I call in a favor to people from other planets that are stronger than you. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Superman comes down and uh, yeah, uh, a, a different Superman. I mean, it's 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 Cavill, but. The suit is brighter. Uh, you can you can see that the suit is brighter. The yellow in, yeah. in, in it, it's it's it, it pops. You we hear the Williams music. He's got the the classic uh, Superman uh, spit curl and um, the John Williams music. I mean, they I, it was an interesting choice not to use the Hans Zimmer score. Um, io9 talked with black adam composer lorne balfi about the decision and while he didn't lay out exactly how it was made he made it clear the choice was deliberate he said a lot of thought was put into why that theme got chosen it wasn't just a random thought there's a relevance to it everybody that had to do with that scene spent a long time debating which theme should go there there are reasonings for what can happen so I think that they made the right choice. I mean, you know, I think now that they're kind of moving away from the Snyderverse side of it, uh, that it, and, and, and I feel like those first three movies, we didn't get the Superman that we wanted him to kind of turn into, develop into as, you know, I, I thought after, I thought after Man of Steel, the next time we see him, he's going to be that Superman and he wasn't. He was still the right. brooding dark Superman. I think now that we're, now we're getting into that area. So they're changing the theme music up. And, uh, yeah, there is that nostalgia factor. Joe, what did you, like, when you saw this, I'm sure you heard, about this, of course, from The Rock, but did you know that they were going to be playing the Williams score? Which Joe? Vitaly. Vitaly. Yeah, Vitaly. asking Vitaly, the Superman expert. Yeah, the, super, the Superman <laughs> fan. Um, so I, I had no idea. So if you remember back at Comic-Con, uh, a fan asked him, you know, who would win in a fight? You know, Superman or Black Adam? And then he says, well, it depends on who's going to play Superman. And I sw- I thought for sure Cavill was coming out from backstage. Like, I thought they were going to make no no surprise about this. And when that didn't happen, I said, if he's not in this movie in some capacity, I will be pissed off because he keeps insinuating that he's going to be. So, number one, I give him credit for doing it. And even though I knew it was coming – I still got the Superman goosebumps because when you play those bars from the John Williams music and then I saw the bigger S, the bright yellow, the the, like you said, the S curl. I mean, me being a Christopher Reeve Superman fan through and through, I I loved everything about it. And now I hope they really continue and do the character justice. You know, okay, let's have him fight Black Adam at some point. But I want to see the, you know, who are you, a friend Superman. I want to see that on screen. And I think Cavill has the, he wants to play, he wants to show people that he can do that. So I, and I think the groundswell is there. And I think the the new management of, of uh, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery is there for it. And for them announcing that Man of Steel 2 is a go, I'm, I'm so happy with. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jake, you weren't a fan of the movie. What did you think about the post-credits? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I thought the most interesting thing about it was it's Waller again in control of like someone like Superman. I mean, first we see her calling in the JSA. Now we're seeing her calling Superman. And honestly, that part of the story got me more excited than any of the Cavill stuff. Is it Waller? Is Waller? Is that the favor she called in with Superman? Because, I mean, I got the feeling that there's there's I'll I'll flip flop. I will flip flop. I get I get the feeling that it's one of like three points. Like he's working with Waller, doesn't realize that she's like, you know, as bad as she is. And and, and she says she's going to call in a favor. And, you know, could that could that favor be that the, the, the government is not keeping tabs on Superman because of Waller? Because at the end of Man of Steel, when he destroys that satellite and tells that general, you know, like, you know. You know, uh, basically don't keep tabs on me. And so I'm like, is, is that what it is? Is that the agreement? And she's just calling in this favor. Is that why he's showing up here? Or is he not working with Waller? And he knows that, you know, he knows that, you know, um, she's running the JSA and, and, uh, maybe, you know, Maybe she doesn't like that there's this unsanctioned team out there called the Justice League. And right. she's trying to build up her own, you know, powered team. You know, that's why she's got the JSA. And, uh, you know, it, she, it, she's met up with Bruce Wayne in the past. We saw that, I think, in the first Suicide Squad movie. And they they were not working together formally. She she pre, like procured some uh, files, some information on some of the superheroes. We saw files that she gave him that had the Flash and Aquaman on them, and so they kind of like you know we're, we're, we're they're kind of like scratching each other's backs. And she was giving him some information, but they're not formally working together because even at the end of like the Justice League. Batman is putting together, you know, he's like I'm talking about the table and six chairs and it had, it, it felt very much like that the Justice League is being run by Batman. It doesn't feel like they've got Waller over them. And no, I, I think it's an issue where they have to work with her professionally because the Justice League and, and Superman and these people, they don't they don't kill. And so they need a place to lock up these super powered villains. And sure, Batman, his his people that he's catching in Gotham are going to go to Arkham or maybe Blackgate or something like that. But these other super or super villains across the world, they need a place to be locked up. And so I just see it as like a working relationship. But it is odd that 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 she could make a threat like, oh, I can send somebody from off world. And then all of a sudden Superman just shows up. Um, they could write it so that no matter where Clark Kent was in the world, he was listening in on this call and then he just took off. It didn't necessarily need to be told by Waller. Yeah, you I know, kept, I kept been aware. I kept feeling like there, that, that could be it too, because it's like he sees somebody who's very strong. He's just maybe trying to get a feel for like Black Adam and what he plans to do here, because this guy does have enough strength to involve himself in world affairs like if uh, he's the protector of uh, of Kandak and if that nation that country feels threatened 
and they go to war with somebody, he could end that war instantly for the opposing side. Right? I mean, and that's what Superman has not let himself do. He, he'll save the people, but he will not involve himself in like world affairs. It's not like one nation goes to war, another nation goes to war, and Superman is the one who's going to pick a side and end the war for who he thinks is in, you know, the right, you know, I'm going to side with them. And I, I think that that's what we might be getting in Black Adam too is, is he doesn't agree with Superman's, you know, I don't meddle with world affairs. Like, and you're not going to tell me that I can't meddle with the world's affairs if it affects Kandak. I think that that's a really good bet that that's where they could be going with this. Cause it, it and, and do you think it's going to follow that trope of, okay, they're going to start out and they're going to be opposed so that we can see the fights between these two big Titans on the screen. And then something is going to unite them to then have to fight together against a common foe. And then what common foe could be big enough that it would take these two big heavy hitters to, to team up to, to go at them. So the, the thought of, of this potentially being, you know, another movie out there is, is really exciting because there are so many cool characters. Um, like one of the first ones that came to mind to me was the, the DC villain Mongol, but maybe that would be too big of a reach for, for regular audiences bringing in this, this guy. But it seems like dark side might be like too big of a, uh, a bring in, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, but it's, I like that idea that that Black Adam would be stepping out of the borders of Kondok and being like, no, I think I'm going to flex a little harder. <laughs> I just see that, you know, you've yeah. got you've got Superman and you've got Black Adam, these two, you know, extremely powerful beings. And Waller can't control either of them. And I don't think she likes it. And I think that it's if if she can pit these two against each other. And while they're fighting each other, if she can find a way to get her hands on some more of this Eternium and then maybe get some Kryptonite, be able to take them both out, I don't know. I It just makes me think well, that, that she wants to get control over both of them somehow. Go ahead, Tristan. Well, I mean, think of the possibility that perhaps Baller reaches out to Black Adam to try to rein in Superman. Oh, that could be a fun twist, too. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, I mean, ever since the first Suicide Squad movie, Superman is the example that Waller uses as to why she's putting together the task force in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, because he says, you know, or, or Harbor's David Harbour's character was like, you know, Superman came down and, you know, took the roof off the White House. Who's going to stop him? So, but it's hard to know what's like not just out the window. This being described as a, uh, you know, phase one movie one type of movie, I feel like that gives them the liberty to not necessarily go out off of what happened in the previous movies. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is, um, I, I think, kind of a soft reboot, fresh start for them. To where I don't think they're going to be doing anything drastically different, maybe from from stuff before. Like, like I don't think they're going to have them fight like uh doomsday again or anything like that but i i think they are going to be making changes where it suits them yeah we i we just can't 
I we. <laughs> We can't trust Waller at the end of the day. Like she's like the no. she's like the uh, she's like the evil version of Nick Fury in the DCEU now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. She's got her hands in everything. I mean, she's you know. Yeah. She even said, and I think it was Suicide Squad. She told Batman. She told Bruce. She's like. She tells Bruce, "You believe in friends. I believe in leverage." And so there's a part of me thinking, like, does she have something on Superman? Does she know that he's Clark Kent? And is she – that? but I – the way he shows up, could it be that – that I don't know. Could it be that he – that he also has a problem with Waller? That he's not working with her? That he has a problem with her? I don't know. I'm, I'm really confused on the whole Waller-Superman relationship. Is he working with her? See, I don't, I don't think he is because it's unless they're going to change it for the movies because he's never, he's never been beholden or or worked with anybody like that. Yeah, you know, he's always done what he's like, like we said before, he's always done what is right. He doesn't involve himself in the politics politics of it. Yeah, but he always does the right thing for the people. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said. I don't know what kind of framework they have written out because there, you know, there's talks about a, like a, you know, two parter of like Black Adam two, Man of Steel two, and then you know, Black Adam again, you know, in the Shazam movie down the road. So I don't know how much they, of this they have laid out. I mean, I was reading something or watching something that it's two people that The Rock's involved with. One of them. Or either one of those, he wants them to be like the Kevin Feige of the DCEU going forward to, for the laying the groundwork. So he wants to he wants to keep his hands in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so and he's going to flex because he's got he's got the uh, you know we'll see how this performs, but he's got the chops to do it. And uh, the the new people at you know Warner Brothers Discovery seem to be more along the lines of yeah we don't want the Batgirl stuff we don't want we want theatrical, the main players, the Wonder Woman's, the Batman, the Superman's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the whole uh, the whole Supergirl movie is being scrapped now. Yeah. So um, I agree with what uh, both Brian and Joe are saying about, you know, the reasons that Superman wouldn't be working with Waller. I just found the the edit to be the most suspect thing about it. Right. You're definitely I think the audience is supposed to think that Waller is straight up like hitting a button and Superman showing up there. Right. It's just, the like timing that. is. I like that. Fast. Angle. The, the maybe like Clark was just listening in on it and he's right. saying like, cause they have it cut. Like she's going to send somebody from off planet. That's obviously Superman. But what if it's not Superman? She's sending. What if it was, she's talking, what is showing she, up to what if she's talking about like Lobo or something, you know, it's yeah, like, we yeah, don't exactly. <laughs> that would be a wild fucking swing. Wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, I'm that's so excited. That'd be a great reason for them to team up. I, I think Joe's on target with like the mongrel type <laughs> level. I mean, I don't think DC has so many villains other than the Batman rogues that are beholden to mass audiences. Like if you ask just anyone on the street to name 10 DC villains that weren't Batman related, I think most people would struggle. So I, I think the they can really just adapt whoever they want as the big threat that 
Adam and Superman eventually unite to fight. Like, I, I don't think they're beholden to anything anyone expects. Well, Dwayne Johnson has said he told Cinema Blend that the the whole reason for this is to get Superman versus Black Adam. And then he's he's also said that he hopes to get Black Adam versus Suicide Squad versus Justice League. So he's been all over the that place. Ma- that makes sense with the with the Waller connection of it all. Like that definitely has to like come to a head somewhere. Oh, I know, and I th- I yeah. honestly feel like we could definitely see like Peacemaker showing up in one of these movies. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. So how did we get Cavill Superman? How did we get this cameo? This is from THR. Superman, as well as Cavill, were not in the initial plans for Black Adam. The idea was hatched during a round of reshoots for the movie earlier this year, but the cameo was nixed by Hamada, the executive who, for the last four years, had tried hard to move DC beyond the era where one filmmaker, in this case Zack Snyder, had an inordinate amount of influence and could command an entire slate for years. Hamada had his own Superman plans, one of them involving introducing a black Superman. Uh, after Hamada said no, uh, Johnson went around the executive, turning to DeLuca and Abdi, who gave it the thumbs up. A furious round of negotiating occurred before Labor Day, a deadline insisted by Warners with the scene shot in mid-September. This is like the latest of additions to this movie. This scene was shot in mid-September last month, guys. Wow. <laughs> that yeah, is, that is crazy. I find it funny that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson went to ask mom and she said no and he just goes and asks dad and they say yeah. yes. <laughs> 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 and Hamada's out now, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, more news on the Superman appearance by Henry Cavill. This comes from Dark Horizons. More details have emerged about the return of Henry Cavill's Superman in the post credit scene of Black Adam this weekend. This time about the logistics of filming the scene itself. Cinematographer Lawrence Scher, speaking with THR's Behind the Screen podcast, confirmed that negotiations came down to the wire and much of the scene was pre-shot without knowing if Cavill would return. Uh, Cher says he was informed of the Superman idea very late into filming with director Haume Colette Sarah describing it thus to him, quote, let's just quickly take this throne room set that we were working in. We're going to create something for Dwayne to walk into and we're going to shoot it in like 10 minutes. Thus, Johnson's half of the scene was filmed as the final shot on the final day of additional photography. Once done, the team put together the second half of the scene with a body double and a version of John Williams' 1978 Superman theme found on Google. This version never showing the actor's face, only the Superman emblem on his chest. Cher says, watching an actor come out of a full silhouette into that was actually goosebumps. Wow, this is 100% going to work. Now they need to figure out if they can get the guy with the head to be there. (laughs) Testing on the film then began with that headless Superman scene thrown in, and the reaction led to the need to secure Cavill. I went to a test screening in which they did the version without his head. It played and it played <laughs> and it played gangbusters. Then it was like, now we get now we gotta get Henry. Uh, once the deal was done, Cavill's half of the scene was filmed last month in London with Cher working remotely. Cher says even 
watching only through monitors, he could feel the impact. Quote, there are certain people that are iconic as the characters that they play, and he's really one of them. Uh, Cher is, uh, yeah, okay. So that, so they, that's crazy how they, like, they Frankensteined this all together. It is wild. They shot it with, uh, they shot it with Dwayne on like one of the last days of production. Then they got, then they got a guy to put on the suit, this new suit. And he was a headless Superman. They, this is the test screenings that we heard about. So the test screening saw the headless Superman scene. It still went over great. They didn't even know if Cavill's coming back. They got Cavill. Cavill then filmed his scene. Then they superimposed his head on this fucking body double. And then it all came together and they got the John Williams score from some fucking shit on Google. It's, <laughs> it, it's crazy how this all came together. It really was just all like matchbooks and glue. I mean, like, what the hell? But it totally worked. It made for a very exciting scene. I had no idea so much went into it to get it together like that. And that wasn't Henry Cavill's body we were seeing. It was just his head put on a body double. Yes. How about wow. that? <laughs> that yeah. Was, yeah. And I know a lot of us were upset that we didn't get the Cavill reveal in uh, July for Comic Con. And it like explains it that, you know, all of this shit was still just, you know, rumblings and, and negotiations and all that up until probably last month. Yeah. And he's also supposed to be doing um, another cameo for at the end of the Flash movie, because now since now Man of Steel 2 is going forward and all that, I guess the initial cut or scene or whatever was going to be wiping out that continuity, you know, the the, yeah. the Cavill Superman. And now, from what I heard, is he's they're going to reshoot something to obviously he's not oh. going away. So are, are they I going f- my left nut that they're using him as much as they can while they, while they have him right now and shooting as many post credits and mm-hmm. shit to splice they, into, you know, Flashpoint and all that. They don't have him on the contract for anything going forward. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, there's there's nothing. There's no contract. We, we There's no deal yet. So they've got to, and it'll happen. It'll happen. The Rock and, and Cavill have the same agent and the, right. the Rock has been pushing for this. It'll just happen. It's all going to come down to numbers and scheduling. But um, yeah, Man of Steel 2 is going to be in development, which is exciting. Did you guys hear that they're the, the short list of uh, directors? They've got Christopher McQuarrie. The Mission Impossible director, um, he's fantastic. He's one of the guys that they're that they're they're talking about getting in there. I think it would be fantastic too, Tristan. I think it would be awesome to have him in there. I think McQuarrie, though, I, I think he made some statement in the past about being anti comic book movie, or maybe it was anti Star Wars. But he's against one of those genres. Maybe that's the guy you need in there to fucking make a movie, though. Yeah, look at Andor. I mean, yeah, for Andor's divisive. You got people that love it, people that I love it. I, Joe, I heard you. I know you don't like Joe, Joe Vitale. I know you don't like Andor. I love Andor. I just skipped. I just watched. Oh, I skipped ahead to the most recent episode, uh, and I liked this, the most recent episode. So, did you watch six? Uh, no, I went to the one. It's the most whatever the most. Was it seven? Oh, you need to watch six. Six is the okay. heist. The six is the okay, heist that they pull off. It, it, okay. Yeah, it's it's six. fucking incredible. Yeah, watch six. But uh, um, yeah, I think I I don't know. Sometimes it's nice to just get somebody 
in there that uh, can can you know look at look at things differently and give it like a fresh take that we haven't seen before. I think Macquarie would be fantastic. Well, that's that's exactly what Donner did. Yeah, when they, when they brought him in, you know he he looked at this this basically uh, the script was a mess and it was more campy. Because that's how people were writing things, you know, still off of the, you know, 66 Batman type stuff, which wasn't too far in the past there. And, uh, you know, and he basically said this, you have to verisimilitude, you have to do everything as if you believe this can happen and you have to be truthful with it. And, you know, the guy's in a red and blue suit with underwear, but you have to believe it and you have to uh, be serious about it. And. That's that's the way they went forward with it. And I think and it works. And I think that that's why the most recent Batman and movies have have really worked for me as far as, uh, you know, what Nolan did. And then also what Matt Reeves has done most recently. Mm-hmm. Are, 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 are they going ahead? And is is Affleck staying in that role? Everything that I'm hearing is like Affleck. They're not done with him. Like they want to get him back. Like that's their Batman going forward. Like he might be back in this deal too. Dude, I'll I'll take it. I I liked beefy Batman. He was fucking great in the role. (laughs) He looked great in the suit. I I thought he played a good Bruce Wayne. Uh, I liked I liked Batfleck. Yeah, I think with the new management that anything is possible at this point because it just seems that there was just so many. moving parts and incompetent parts that it was just uh, deterring a lot of the, the talent. And it seems that, that right now, I think it just has a more cohesive direction moving forward. Yeah, but they're still they're, they're in a real still tricky spot with this Flash movie because obviously everything going on with Ezra Miller. It, yeah, you know, the, 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 this I think I said this before this 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 past week. You know, the story is Ezra Miller could get up to 26 years in prison. And then WB says, oh, we've got a script for The Flash, too. Yeah. I mean, they're still <laughs> tone deaf with a lot of that stuff. I just don't I don't understand it from in from from the reports are is that The Flash, the movie is testing very well. So do you sh- I mean, do you shit can a hundred and sixty million dollar movie? And how, the and how are you going to gonna market it? You're not going to have yeah. Ezra Miller. You can have Ezra Miller on the press tour. You can't. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Choking out reporters and punching cameramen. <laughs> I mean that. I mean that's why. That's why I, I think that's why Warner Brothers didn't have like a DC presence at San Diego Comic Con. It's like their hands are tied. Like we can't have this guy out in front answering questions or even in the public right now. Like this is. No. It's it's not a good look, and so. I mean, I don't think you can shit can the movie at this point. I mean, and I don't think that I, and I, unless you want to like put more money into it and have another actor fucking, you know, like have them act it out and be the flash. I mean, I can't imagine how expensive it was. They, they most, they most recently did that with the, what was it? The, uh, the, the Zack Snyder zombie movie where they had, uh, what's her name? Tig. Tig Notaro when they had her of the dead or whatever. Yeah. When they had her take over the role of uh, that, the the one comedian who got uh, Crystalia, Crystalia. But I mean, she, she wasn't the main, she wasn't the main actor in that movie. So they didn't have to do it throughout every scene. And like this movie's the, you've got to, I think the movie's got to go out the way it is now 
and uh, with Ezra Miller as the as the lead, and then they're going to have to figure out uh, a new Flash actor going for who did they who who is the most rumored? It was the the guy from the nineteen seventeen movie. Was it McKay that they were talking about taking over the role as the Flash? Yeah, I saw a story about that a, a month or two ago. Yeah, it was uh, George McKay from 1917. They're talking about him possibly taking over the role. I mean, it's not like Ezra Miller's been the Flash for 15 years. Like, oh, my God, we can't recast him. He's I mean, he's he's really not that great. Uh, It's for me as as a Flash. So I I don't think that's a a big deal if they if they recast him. Uh, It's just a matter of, again, what do you you know, you've got Michael Keaton in the movie you got Ben Affleck in, uh, Affleck in the movie. You're going to have a post credit or some scene with Henry Cavill. You've got um, uh, you've got isn't Supergirl in that movie? She's in that movie. Yes, she's in that movie. So yeah, it's like you. What are you going to do? It's so bizarre. I I kept. Thi- oh, go ahead, Tristan. She's going to say he he asked, "What are you going to do?" I said that you're going to put. Ben Affleck and uh, Michael Keaton on the press drill because they're the only ones who are going to be able to market this movie. Right. What, okay. Now that we've got like new heads at Warner brothers making these decisions, like I was thinking to myself, there's no way that they can get, they can still get Ray Fisher to come back and play cyborg at this point. Uh, like, zero chance. Yeah. Zero chance. <laughs> He's well, still like deep eat- with water. Hamada. Yeah, he's still like even on Twitter in the last forty eight hours, he's yeah. like glad that he's gone, but still like very much expresses he wants nothing to do with nothing. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate because uh, I understand where he's coming from. It, but after you know listening to his interviews on podcasts and things like that, but it's unfortunate because I thought he was so fantastic in uh, the Snyder Cut. Oh, it's was fant- it just a great. He was the heart of the of the movie, 100%. and I, I understand what he's talking about. The, of of you know, we we know of other things with Joss Whedon, not just in this movie, but his his how he has acted towards people. Yeah, so I could totally see that, and and he had problems uh, with Jeff Johns as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It was wild to see the Snyder cut. Like, I mean, you could see why Ray Fisher would be so mad after seeing the Whedon cut and then seeing the Snyder cut. Like, if you're Ray Fisher, you would just be fuming as well. Oh, he was so good in the Snyder cut. Yeah. Uh, when can we expect Black Adam 2? This comes from ComingSoon.net. Uh, following the theatrical release of Black Adam. Producers Hiram Garcia and Bo Flynn have confirmed their plans for the development of Black Adam 2. Speaking with Comic Book, Garcia and Flynn confidently assure fans that the potential Dwayne Johnson-led sequel won't take long as the first film's production. Don't worry, Flynn said. This one will be fast. We will open up the magic wagon. We'll have the script ready pretty fast. Uh, Garcia uh, said... We always hope the first domino is the easy one. We'll get cooking on it fast, that's for sure. Uh, Garcia went on to reveal their possible ideas for Black Adam 2, which would involve a bigger role for Henry Cavill's Superman as they continue to tease the ultimate showdown between the Man of Steel and the anti-hero. Our vision is what we really want to establish is Superman exists in the same world as Black Adam. 
both those guys exist in the same universe, and that's important for us. It's in the universe where our JSA is and so forth, but we really wanted the world to know that these guys are going to cross paths, and how we do it, we're still working on it. We don't want to give that away, but I will say that it's much bigger than what people think. So, I when they say it's much bigger than what people think, I keep thinking that they're going the route of like Marvel's Civil War movie. That it's not just going to be Superman and Black Adam. When they're saying it's much bigger, I'm thinking like they're going to involve more heroes, more villains. I... I just I, I I see sides being taken, um, especially if we're, if we're going with the uh, if they have like this conflict of like Black Adam getting involved in the world's politics and, and world affairs and things like that, that that people are going to take sides. We're going to see heroes take sides. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's essentially going to be a DC crossover is what they're saying. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, we. Yeah, we haven't had one in five years. So, I mean, it's I wouldn't put it past them if they cram as much of the DC universe into this. Well, actually, you know, Flashpoint is essentially going to be that as well. But but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is just a, another DC crossover. If they can yeah, do that's it right, you... that'd be very exciting if they can do it right. That's the kind of thing that puts butts in seats. I mean, that's, you know, always a good philosophy that the more the better like if you really get people to realize it's going to be the fate of the entire dc universe in this movie with more than just black adam and superman i think then you could potentially make a lot of money at least that's how, what time warner hopes how many other movies do they have to set up in between this black adam and the sequel for sure they're gonna to have to do another superman movie to kind of get him in place for it Yeah. Like, I wonder yeah. how many others they're going to have to put in. I agree. At least two, I would think. I mean, you know, we're going to have Man of Steel 2. Um, but that that could be it. I mean, maybe that's the only bridge. Makes you wonder, like, where is Black Adam's place in all of this? I can't see that the... I can't see Warner Brothers not wanting to have Black Adam be a part of this going forward with such a big actor in the role. So you got to think that... Black Adam's going to be around. It's not like Superman and Black Adam are just going to fight and Superman will win and that's the end of it. Like <laughs> when you've got such a big actor, like he's just not going to be a one and done guy. He's got to stick around. So it'll be interesting to see like where where does the character go forward from this? Are, are we going to see him as like a member of the Justice League at some point? Yeah, it makes you wonder. Well, um, uh, um, Zachary Levi said that the plan is eventually that Shazam will be part of the Justice League. He's been quoted as saying that. Man, I just don't see a world where where Zachary Levi Shazam goes up against Dwayne Johnson, Black Adam. Yeah. And, and walks away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Like other Joe said, he's got to bring the whole family for that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This uh... – I guess the what do you guys think about the box office for Shazam? It's it's Black Adam, you mean? Uh yeah, Black Adam. I mean, it's not uh what it 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 earned I think say 67 or 67. 70 
and they think it's worldwide total uh, is going to be 140 million, I guess, over the first weekend. That's good worldwide. I mean, that's got to be pretty good for a DC movie. Well, it's you yeah. always got to. Well, interesting to see, as always, any of these movies what what week two is. That'll be the big thing. Is it going to do a? Is it going to have a seventy percent drop? Is it going to have a forty percent drop? Yeah. You know, are are more Whoa. people you know for the fans because you know obviously the 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 fan rating on it is much higher than the critic rating. So yeah. is, is some of this word of mouth going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to go see it in week two. Well, for that second week, I can guarantee you they're going to include the Superman post credit and the advertising and the marketing. That's interesting. I I don't. It's so small, though. I doubt they would. I think they've done enough with that. I I bet they don't. Right now, the Rotten Tomatoes score. I I checked it before we recorded. Uh, Critics, it's forty percent, and then the audience is at ninety percent. I don't think that that's changed since we've recorded. Damn. That word of mouth is going to be huge then. I bet this won't have a very big drop off in the second week with a 90% audience score. It's 39%. What's what's coming out next week? Anything big to challenge it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, not really. That doesn't surprise me with the large audience score, though. I mean, you always kind of get that thing. People just don't tend to say that movie sucked when they spent $40 to see it. I'm just imagining lots of people going to work tomorrow and having water cooler discussions about how the new, you know, Dwayne Johnson movie was fucking awesome. And and he was just going around starching people like crazy. And then that that word of mouth spreads and people are like, wow, I really don't see that too often in superhero movies. Usually these people are giving these speeches about how they don't kill and they don't do this. And here you got somebody doing the exact opposite of that. So maybe that will draw people in. I'll be sure to watch that in 45 days on HBO. <laughs> <laughs> Valid. Yeah, I don't Yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it It's wild to think, like, are we at uh, superhero fatigue in the movie theater? I, I, I don't know if it's so much superhero fatigue or if it's just audiences are trained to wait the 45 days and watch it at home now. <laughs> so I think a lot of people are watching this once they hit streaming. <laughs> I mean, that could definitely be part of it. And, and as excited as I am to watch this again at home, I I would be thrilled to go see this again on the DLX screen again with with that with those Dolby Atmos speakers. Man, it was hearing all the sound problems you guys had. I'm I'm really thankful that that I mean the sound in mine was fucking great. Just in that opening Dolby, you know, preview, it had the fucking molars in the back of my skull shaking. I had to walk out of my the second show. The first time I tried to watch it on my uh, the second showing, um, I had to walk out thirty minutes in. I was like, I can't do this because you you would see something happening, and then like moments later, you'd hear what they'd say, and it was like it's the audio is not matching up. I can't do this. Once you notice it, I just I can't do it, and I walked out. Oh, yeah, that's like it's like when the it's like when the captions don't line up when you're watching something. Yeah, <laughs> that also sucks. Uh, so I, like I walked out and I with the guy. I'm like, hey, the I go the center channel dialogue's messed up. The surround dialogue said so you can't hear what they're talking yeah. about. He's like, oh, I did that last week. Okay. Oh, <laughs> well, then <laughs> and why then don't like, you okay, fix cool, it? This guy's going to this guy. So then you saw then I saw 
two or three times a like the guy up in the control room like going past the like his head the shadow going past the screen i'm like okay they're fixing it and it never got fucking fixed so yeah what i was told when i went up because i actually went up there twice uh i told i said it's not matching up just wanted to let you know i go back and sit down hoping that they're going to take care of it nothing happens and i'm just like this is not gonna stop i'm like fuck this i can't i'm gonna hate watch this fucking movie for the second time just because like audio is not matching up so i go back out there and i could tell like when the girl looks at me she knows what i'm coming back up to the fucking table for and she's just like oh fuck here we go and so (laughs) i was just like i can't do this i can't do this and they gave me like a fucking free entry pass for a future movie which i used an hour later to watch the fucking movie in a different fucking theater but (laughs) so but um, yeah, I don't. I, it'll it's be crazy what people will put up with that. Like the other people, like I. Anytime I'm in a situation like that, I can't believe that I'm the only one that's right. upset. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think the other people noticed it, and like once they noticed it, then it might be a problem for them. But I, I don't think that they noticed it. I, I always notice that shit. Like the mouth me, is me not too. lining up with what they're saying. And so, like, you it was know, one of those like really slight ones where it's like just like a split second yes, difference. Yes, but like you have characters like like the like the Muhammad Amir who's making jokes, and it's just like these aren't funny now because nothing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's not nothing's funny, nothing's cool. I'll hear an, I'll hear an explosion after I see the rock blow something up. You know, so it's like <laughs> it's ridiculous. I can't do this. It'll be interesting to see though how what the drop off is. I I this is not going to be like Top Gun Maverick where it just stays consistent like every week, you know and. Oh, no, it's going to run into the uh, Wakanda forever wall at some point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I, I I, think just like next week and there's really nothing. I was looking to see if there's anything to go up against it. There's really nothing to go up against it next week. But um, I will see if the if there is that positive word of mouth that can get butts back in seats and see if there's like a just a slight drop off or if it's going to be like a huge, massive drop off because – with Thor Love and Thunder, that had a huge drop off in the second week. It's like everybody came out to see it that first weekend and they were not, they didn't get the retention on the second weekend that they, that they were hoping for. So we'll see what Black Adam does. I think that, I think that they just need to say, and I, th- I think Warner's is going to do this where they're, they're going to stop doing that 45 day bullshit. If any, I think it's going to go away too. If yeah, if I mean, if I mean, if any studio that has, I think that they've they've learned that you know, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of these fucking studios that have started their streaming services that thought it was a good idea at the start of the pandemic to do it, I think now they would go back and be like, we we shouldn't have done this. Peacock's one of them. I mean. They're, they're losing money hand over fist. Um, Paramount's the only one that's actually in good shape and they're still losing money. So I think a lot of yeah, these. Yeah, you don't need to do it anymore. You don't no. need to do it anymore. Mm-mm. I don't know how, I don't know how Netflix is going to sustain itself with what they, with, with what they've been doing. I, it makes you wonder if like they look back at that deal that they made for the Knives Out franchise if they think that's a good idea now. Spent a yeah, lot of money. It's very on curious. It'll be interesting to see how much money that makes in its one week. Yeah. 
So I mean, you would think that they would start. I know they're they're the binge model, but in order for to keep people subscribed, you know, like they did with Stranger Things, where you've got like a part one and a part two, so at least you've got them for multiple months. But um, I mean, you don't get you don't get any of the 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 week to week like you know like the Game of Thrones now the the, the people talking about it and things trend and all that because. You know, you watch freaking 10 episodes in a day and a half and you know, like Cobra Kai or something and you're done for another year for that. Both model. Here's here's my thing. Hulu does it. Hulu does the week to week and then they also do the dump, right? Yeah. Here's my thing with it, Joe. I think that both have their advantages. I think it's it depends on a case by case show because there are certain shows that if they only give me that first episode, I'm not going back to it. But there yeah. are shows where they give me that first episode and they've got the next episode lined up and I just let it play through. And I would not have continued with that show had it been a week to week wait. Sometimes there are shows that are like that. So I think the binge model does oh, yeah. work for certain shows, but a show like Game of Thrones, um, the water cooler shows. Yeah. yeah. Those need to be released time, like a, over the course of, you know, a month or so or a couple months or whatever time release because that keeps the conversation going. But like you said, um, if it's a new show or a show that's just, you know, mid range, you know, you got to dump that all at once. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I really do. I, I agree. I agree. And I it's think it's just a funny way to phrase it. I think that there's shows that, um, and that's why we're seeing, you know, I think they're kind of getting smart to it that is like, okay, well, yeah, this first episode may not be the one to hook them, so let's let's do a two episode dump or a three episode dump at the beginning, you know. And now that okay, now we've got our now we, by the third episode we've got our hooks in you, so you'll be back for the fourth week or you know for the next week to watch the fourth episode. So yeah, Andor knew exactly what it was doing because it it would have lost a lot of people if it just only dropped the first episode. Oh, I think, or maybe even the first two. I think WandaVision, the same thing. Like, I, I, I honestly, I feel like WandaVision should have dropped three instead of just the two. I agree. The, the two were too similar. And the yeah. biggest complaint you heard were people complaining about the style that really didn't change much from episode one to two. Right. Yeah. The MCU of it all really didn't come until that third episode. Yeah. Now we're just talking about streaming services instead of Black Adam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. I, I love I thought it was refreshing. I I like I enjoyed the movie. Um I had a lot of fun with Black Adam and I can't wait to watch it again. I just I am a little upset that we won't get any more Pierce Brosnan Dr. Fate. You know, it doesn't look like it's in the cards, but man, I thought he was fantastic and can't wait to see some new members of the JSA in future installments or whatever they do. I just d- d- do you, would you want like a JSA TV show? I'm, I'm kind of getting over like the TV shows of all this. Like I'm fine with Peacemaker, but honestly, here's the thing. Peacemaker for me, I think Peacemaker is better. This might be controversial. I think Peacemaker is better than anything that Disney Plus has put out for Marvel. No, I, I totally support that. It, it was a totally different type of show too, with them being able to go for that hard R. And and James Gunn was able to just pull it off masterfully, but um, it's really in a class all by itself. It's like that and the boys are really the only live action superhero shows that 
kind of breathe that air. You know, and I've liked a lot of the Disney Marvel stuff, but man, just one show on just one show like that. Just just Peacemaker is so much better, in my opinion. I don't know. It had everything. It was so funny and it had so much heart and the action and it was just incredible and an amazing soundtrack. I mean, the fucking intro sequence. I mean, that really captivated the Internet. <laughs> yeah, it was epic. Yeah, that is all I have for Black Adam. And uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me on this one. Joe, where can people find you, man? Yeah, you can find me on StartCast, my podcast I do, where I'm just having mostly one-on-one conversations with people. Uh, New episodes generally drop every Saturday. And you can also find me on Twitter, at the Tubby Ninja. And also, if you are watching Amazon Rings of Power and you want a companion podcast to go with it, check out PCLOTR where we uh, reviewed, broke down every episode of the series. Yeah, that's one of those shows where I'm glad they didn't drop it, you know, all at once. I, I thought the the week-to-week wait on that one was well-deserved. So Yeah, absolutely. There's so much to discuss from episode to episode on that one. Yeah. Tristan, always awesome having you on the show. People can find you here. <laughs> yeah Yeah. whenever i'm invited absolutely yeah and you've done you've done some start cast episodes as well so sure have fun times joe (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've I've had everybody on the on the show here on episodes of start cast all great conversations and finally man a guy that i've been wanting on pcl for a long time finally got him on mr joe vitale man tell us about where you come from and where and people where people can find you uh well we do a podcast called vintage geeks me david and duncan and we do it probably about once a month so we try and do and again brian we we owe our podcast all to you because you're the reason why probably all these podcasts Joe's has started as well. Start cast. So, um, I've loved your podcast ever since man of steel episode. <laughs> and, uh, it's just, it's a joy to listen to you guys every week. You're like, you're like friends and family. And I, I just appreciate you inviting me on. Oh man. Yeah. We'd love to have you come back. Uh, I mean, hopefully we'll be able to work things out to have you come back in the future. Maybe do, I don't know. It, it, doing a regular episode is rough, man. Cause I, 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 I make you watch everything, but man, just doing this one movie review with you has been fantastic. So hopefully we'll be able to, I would love to have you come back and do man of steel too. Now that we know that that's happening. Uh, well, one thing I've always said is if, if I'm ever on a regular PCL episode, I will watch everything. I will not fall asleep during the episode and I will not leave early. So that's what I promise. That's my, that's my vow to you. It's like gremlin rules coming on PCL at this point. <laughs> no shit. It's, it's hard to believe it's been so many episodes and we haven't had Joe Vitale on. I mean, he's been such a name that we've brought up so many times. Oh yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. Don't make it another 400 plus episodes, Joe. No, definitely not. Oh, I, I want to let everybody know that if you, I get to look at the, the episode, um, count when I upload a new episode. This episode, I know this is officially episode, I think, what is it, 442, but the amount of episodes with bonuses and interviews and things like that that we've had, this is actually episode 700. Wow. So- yeah. That's awesome. Holy shit. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that a milestone had to happen with Black Adam. Oh, fuck <laughs> off, Jake. <laughs> yeah. 
Ah, oh, man. It, no, it's a huge milestone. 700 episodes, and the next year we're looking at our 10th year anniversary. 10 years of PCL, Gosh. which is fucking wild to think back Decade to. Decade of destruction from PCL. <laughs> I mean, no, it's fucked up, man. It's like I started doing this shit in my mid-30s, and now I'm fucking, oh, God, I'm half dead. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of pains in my body that, that I did not have the, the first week we started this. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, like when you look at a president, you know, before they fucking, you know. They, oh, yeah. <laughs> before they get, before, yeah. That's, a, that's what's happened to me in the last 10 years, Jake. Oh, I hear you. I did my first episode sitting on a stool in Jay's old record shop. And if I did that today, I would be crippled for the next week. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I, remember, we, I remember we used to have like the video feed when we used to record back in the day. And I used to I used to see you and Jay sitting on those goddamn stools in his record store. It looked uncomfortable as fuck. Yeah, we were very close, too. It's a lot of body heat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking comic book! I bet geeks. you guys' podcast voices were so different then too. <laughs> definitely, I sounded exactly the same. Jake's never changed. Yeah. Me, I've yeah, I've definitely changed over time. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I was like that first of The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. We're, we're like Garfield version one. You've got to find your. You got to find your podcast voice. You know what I mean? You, you change your inflection. You know. You know. I don't know changes it's a it's an evolution constantly evolving like like pokemon uh, yeah i would exactly like pokemon <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of the episode time to bring up things people hate all right guys uh we will be back next week with an all new episode uh the week after that we will not be having a new episode jake myself mr joe stark going to be watching bill burr stand-up comedy in peoria oh nice nice yeah yeah so no new episode because that's saturday typically when we record and and so but i will be dropping uh uh i'll be taking a patreon episode and uploading it onto the feed for everybody to listen to it's going to be uh it'll be a fun one uh i think people will like it and uh Hopefully get some new Patreon patrons uh, to join up. And um, But yeah, we will see you next week. Uh, Jake, should we, do you want to do the outro? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Vitale, you want to do the outro with me? Sure. Joe's, Joe's never made it that far into an episode. Oh he has no gosh. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you know the outro, don't you? Oh my god! Now you put now you put me on spot. Yes, uh, I say, and until next week, and next then we both say together in unison, we're putting a lid on it. We're putting a lid on it. Well, okay, here we here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And until next week, until we're next. putting a we're guy. putting a lid on it. <laughs> I love Joe Vitale. He's really, he's really helping me out here. Joe Stark, let's do this. Let's knock this bitch out. Let's knock this bitch out, Joe Stark. And until next week, we're putting, putting a lid, lid on it. Joe Stark nailed it. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Holy that shit. was it. That was it. 
All this right. is officially my last episode. It's unfortunate that it has to be <laughs> the, the Black Adam episode and our 700th episode of PCL. Yeah, Joe Stark has now been christened the leftover. I'm taking the King Arthur sword. I'm dabbing both sides of the both, both shoulders. Welcome to the welcome to being a leftover, Joe. Jake, you're out. No, no, well, well deserved. I won't put up a fight at all. I, I yeah, put down, put down the gloves. Put down the put, <laughs> throw the throw, throw your microphone in the trash. It's over. All right, we will we'll see you next week with an all new episode, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations! I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying "I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap." Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp brat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture push over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture push over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.